So today we're going to start a new series. And that new series is called A Lifestyle of Righteousness. And um, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have a little conversation. And we're actually going to teach kind of reverse from the way that we normally teach something. Um, and so, but we think that you're going to be blessed by it. I still want to encourage you to engage on the platform today, to still share, to still partner with people. But we just really, um, we, I, I really have this word on my heart very strong. And one of the things I love about us is that God will give one of us a word that we feel very strongly. And the other one will be like, hey, give me the notes. We're going to study it. We'll walk out what it is that God is saying to you. And so let's pray. Amen. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You are so gracious and you are so kind. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for how you take care of us. We thank you for how mindful you are of us. We thank you for how considerate you are of us. And we thank you that you have demonstrated that with Jesus Christ. We thank you that because of Jesus, we are redeemed and we are complete in him. He is the mirror image of, and he reveals our true identity. And we thank you for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this service. There may be people who haven't, who aren't filled with you. And today we today declare that there will be an encounter between you and them because we need the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. Now, Father, you said anytime we can see here and understand the word that we will be converted and we would be healed. And so that's our demand today, that as we go through this scripture and these teachings on righteousness, that it will elevate the way that we live and our awareness of how we live in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So I really wanted to have this conversation around a lifestyle of righteousness. We've talked for several weeks now. We talked two months about how we are complete in him. We are complete in him. Everybody remember those teaching, right? We talked about taking away our identity from our degrees, taking away our identity from whether we're married or not, our past, all of those things, and understand that we are complete in him. Well, there is a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. It says, for he has made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of him in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now that scripture isn't necessarily going to come up on the screen, but basically what it says is this. It says that because of Jesus, Jesus made us righteous in our spiritual DNA. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit teaches us to live a righteous life. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to you that one of the things that has really disturbed me is this, 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 I, I see it like leaven that has entered the body of Christ where people go, oh, I'm saved. So it doesn't matter how I live. Mm -hmm. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. So God knows I'm just human. God knows my heart. But in fact, the Bible says you're completing him. So you're not just human. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we end up with is a bunch of believers who are sitting around in the kingdom, really unaware of how our decisions impact negatively impact God's overall plan to reach the entire world. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, as you were talking through this and we've been talking about this, I started thinking about my own uh, Christian journey, right? In 1986, September of 86, uh, it was the first time I made, I made a commitment to Christ. Uh, I was a Zion Temple Church of God in Christ in Conway. And since that time, I've had these, uh, these evolutions of my thoughts about 
what it means to be in the body of Christ, right? I went from being, um, and the best way to say is extremely cogent, right? Into <laughs> uh, a place where I spent time uh, being, being very aware of the fact that we were born of an incorruptible seed. Um, and because we were born of an incorruptible seed, sin couldn't corrupt us once I had made a, co a commitment to Christ. And that's true. Uh, but then I forgot about the part where uh, not allowing that grace to cause me uh, to live a life uh, that was contrary to what I was confessing. Right. So I've mm, had this, I've mm, lived this gamut. Right. Mm. And so one of the things I started thinking about when we talk about uh, living a lifestyle of righteousness, a lot of people don't like that kind of conversation because what they believe is they say, well, when you start telling people they got to live a certain way, now you've gotten into works. And so there's a, and there is a big, um, uh, section of people out there who I believe focus entirely too much on works. We cannot work our way into heaven. We cannot. We cannot earn we cannot. our way. You can't fast enough. You can't pray enough. You can't give enough. You can't live good enough to earn your way into heaven. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit was impressing upon me this thought that I'm going to share with you in, in the people is that the way you and I look today, our physical appearance, our appearance is all an expression of something from the inside. It's about our genes, right? Your eye color is the eye color because of what? What's on the inside of you, right? The shape of our face, the shape of our nose, our ears, our fingers. Unless, they've been, unless they have been altered in some physical way, they are an expression of what's on the inside of us. And the Bible tells us that we can look at earthly things to understand spiritual things. So then if you and I are the expression outwardly of what's on the inside of us, then it should be so when we become born again, that what's on the inside of us ought to be expressed on the outside of us. So if I'm born again, if I'm completing Christ, I should be expressing that outwardly. You know, if I'm not expressing that outwardly, then I got to ask what's on the inside of me. Because the reality of it is, is that every creature has ever been created expresses outwardly what's on the inside of them. How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Apples. Because it's expressed on the outside. Mm -hmm. But before you saw the apples, how did you know it was, how, how did the apple tree know to produce apples? Because of what was on the inside. Because what was on the inside. Yep. And I think that that's so good. And it's not that we don't understand this. Yep. I'm going to give people a very clear example that we understand this. I am your wife. Yep. No one would expect it to be acceptable that last weekend while you were out of town and I went down to the Freedom Fest where Montel Jordan and the time was, mm -hmm. that there would be pictures online of me sitting in other men's lap and kissing on them. Right. Nobody would, everybody would say, wait a minute, I thought Sean was married to Edward. Right. What in the world is Sean doing sitting in these men's lap? Before they even said that, they're going to say, I thought Sean was saved. I thought Sean <laughs> was saved. So it's not that we don't understand this. It's the reason that you get so upset on social media when you feel like your boo is being too interested on somebody else's page. Mm. What you like her pictures that many times for? Because you are like, if you're with me, there ought to be some sign. Mm. If I belong to God, 
There should be some sign. There should be an outward expression of an inward possession. There should be some sign, right? So does that example make sense to everybody? And the sure. truth of it is, is that if you saw me there last weekend and I was sitting in another man's lap, you have the right to pull me aside and go, wait a minute, what are you doing? And I think that's the other thing that we really disconnect about the body because we think our walk is individual and no one should be able to say anything to us except everything we do is a reflection of the father. Well, most people don't want to live in community, but that's the reason why, because well, community requires accountability. And if I'm not in the community of a body of believers, I don't have to be accountable to anybody. And if I don't have to be accountable to anybody, then I can live any way I want to. And nothing condemns me because I can turn off that part of me where the Holy Spirit will be doing to condemn me. And so if I live my life in such a way that the Holy Spirit is not condemning me, I don't live a part of community where I'm being condemned. Then all I have to do is do whatever I want to do and I can justify it no matter what it is. And that is the problem in the body of Christ. And we've talked about this, that a lot of what people think is Christianity is actually um, hedonism. It is, I do what feels good to me. Mm. I do what I desire to do. Y'all don't have the right to judge me. No one has the right to say anything to me. We quote in Tupac, only God can judge me. Right. But in reality, if we are in community and we are all called to the same body, and you see me out on the street cussing somebody out. Number one, there ought to be some believers that would intervene and not just go, oh, girl, that's right, cuss them people out. And I really believe that God is calling us to grow up in this. We've spent weeks saying, I'm complete, I'm complete, I'm complete, I'm complete. Jesus did not save us for us to live like we aren't saved. Right. Yeah, he did not save us for us to live like we aren't saved. Right. Right? Just like you don't get married or you shouldn't get married to live like you're not married. Right? right? Let's look at Matthew 6 and 33. Is this making sense to y'all? Matthew 30, 6 and 33, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, what we're going to do today, which is a little different, is that we're just having a conversation and then we're going to give you these seven benefits of righteousness and we're going to come back and dig into righteousness more and more. While you cannot be saved because of your right works, you will be rewarded because of your right works. Mm -hmm. you, you, you cannot be saved. You cannot, you cannot tithe your way into heaven. You cannot fast your way into heaven. But what you can do is that God literally does reward us. Scripture tells us by the way that we live. Because it's important to remember that you're not living just for eternity. I mean, yes, we want to get to eternity and we all will one way or the other. And we want to have a great time in eternity in heaven. But God intended us to live heaven on earth. And in order to do that, there is a system. You know, I think about the fact, you know, I've got a chance to go to uh, Dubai twice in, a month. In, in, in basically a month's time. But in this year so far, and there are rules there. There are rules that that like they're not like suggestions. And they're not like, oh, you probably shouldn't. There is a king there. There is a crown prince there. So much so that, you know, I, I was reading about this and he thought it was interesting. He actually owns the airport. It's not a part of the government. <laughs> he 
owns the airport. So whatever the king says goes. And do you know that those people over there have accepted that they live according to the king's rules? And here's what happens. Because the, he happened, the one who just passed was a very benevolent crown prince. And because of that, they've seen this tremendous growth since 1971. They've seen, I mean, just if, if you were to look at pictures of Dubai prior to 1971 and to now, you wouldn't recognize the place. The same thing is really what God wants to do on a multitude scale. He wants us to come into his kingdom, understand the, the rules and the processes, and he wants us to live by them so that we can prosper in every area of our life. Yes. He wants to be our benevolent king. He is our benevolent king. He wants to be that to us. And I would add this, that not only does God want us to live a good life, mm -hmm. he wants our life to attract someone else home. Sure. And if I live like the world, if I live like the world, I'm not going to attract the world back to God. Right. If I can do everything and anything that someone who doesn't know God can do, why would anybody who doesn't know God want to know God? Yeah. And I think I think that one of the I've said this for years that people in America, because we live in a democracy and you literally can say whatever you want to say about your president, whether you like them, don't like them. You can post anything on social media. We really think the kingdom is that way. And we have we have the deception, the great deception in the body of Christ is that because God loves us, his love allows everything, anything I want to do. He, he, because he loves me, he lets me do it. But if you stop and think about it, it doesn't make sense because we don't think parents are good parents when they let their kids do whatever yeah. they want to do. He gives us free will. Free will, it doesn't mean acceptance of all that we do. Right. That's the difference. Having free will doesn't mean, you know, our children, we have some adult children. And the truth of the matter is, as long as they're not asking us to support their lifestyle and pay their bills and all that stuff, they are free to choose to do what they like to do. And we all love them, but that doesn't mean they get all the benefits and the rewards had they done things the right way. Or, yeah. what, or even what we consider to be the right way, Absolutely. since we're the one providing. And since God's the one providing, he has a way. He has and a so way. so we have to be willing to do it his way if we want what he has provided. And I say this all the time, don't confuse his mercy with his permission. Right. Don't confuse his mercy with his permission. And, you know, I, you know, I've said this, The you know, um, again, you were Kojic first. I was Baptist first. So to me, one of the things I really appreciated about the Kojic church was this idea without holiness, no man will see God. And so what 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 it left me with was this reminder that it really does matter how I live. It does matter. Because I grew up in a denomination where it didn't necessarily matter how you live, right? And so people kind of did what they wanted to do. And then I came to your church and it was like, no, it does matter. Now you probably saw that it's more extreme than me because you knew you were there longer than I was. But for me, I am forever thankful for that season in the Kojic church that taught me without holiness. I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to look like my daddy. We say all the time, I hardly ever put a picture of our kids up and somebody doesn't say to me, they look just like they daddy. Ooh, it get on my nerves so bad. Even the kids that, be, that look like me, they'll be like, oh, he looks just like his daddy. Aren't you supposed to look like your daddy? Mm -hmm. 
Aren't you supposed to look like your daddy? Aren't your responses supposed to be like your daddy? And why are we so okay with wanting to create these mini-me's in the natural, but not living as a mini-me for God? You know, it's funny, uh, and not to derail the conversation, because it's a great conversation. Okay, but I'm baby. smiling because, <laughs> because, because I was thinking about the fact of that lady on Facebook we saw that time who was, was basically saying, women, you need to give your child their own daddy so they don't all look alike. Well, the problem with that is, is in the body of Christ, we are supposed to look like our daddy. We supposed to look alike. <laughs> We're supposed to look like our daddy. We shouldn't have uh, all of these variants of our daddy showing up. Uh, as in and the, our <laughs> old daddy too. Right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's the variant of of the father. All these variants, uh, you know. And so the truth of the matter is, is You're yes, so funny. I'm <laughs> we glad should have the same up. daddy. <laughs> We should have the same daddy and we should look like, I was really grieved. Um, and it, it is, you know, I'm a prophet. So God deals with me a lot differently than he deals with other fivefold ministry gifts. And he'll just like, he'll just talk to me about how something bothers him. And there is this trend on Facebook. I mean, on, on TikTok, and I forget the name of it, but basically you said it should be called the double-minded trend. Mm. And it's this trend where people are literally creating TikToks and they're showing themselves in one reel, wilding out. In one reel, they yeah. shout, and in the next reel, they're smoking weed. And I was grieved by the number of believers who said, "I appreciate your transparency." That is not transparency. Or even if it is, being transparent about being double-minded is not something we should be clapping about. That's carnality. Yeah, that is carnality. Transparency is when you say. I used to rem I used to live like this. God dealt with me and now I'm more aware of it. Transparency is acknowledging I curse too much. It doesn't represent God and I want to get rid of it. Yeah. That's what transparency in the kingdom is. Transparency is not I shout on Sunday, I prophesy on Tuesday and I go to the club and sleep around on Wednesday. That is not transparency. That is carnality, mm -hmm. right? So we're just having this conversation and Romans 12 and one, the, these scriptures may not be up here, but you've heard them before. The Bible tells us, do not copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. Mm -hmm. Why are we so offended that God wants to transform us? Mm -hmm. Why are we so offended why do we come and say we love God so much? We thank God that for Jesus. We cry. We fall down. But then when God says to you, you curse too much. When God says to you, stop sexting. When God says to you, and let me say this, because this is one of the things I really appreciate why I can't wait to go to Dubai. And, and it, it, it is how God has built me. I am extremely impressed by going to uh, about a kingdom and how it's run. That's why I want to go to Dubai. I'm like, at the end of the day, there may be people in Dubai who say, we think it should be okay to kiss at the mall. But the king said, we don't kiss at the mall. So you know what we don't do? You don't see nobody. Doing we don't. That. We don't kiss at the mall. <laughs> you sure don't. And 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 I I want to go and see what it's like to be in a kingdom where the king says, this is what we do. It's very orderly. And I know it's orderly. <laughs> I know it's orderly. It's very orderly. We, we literally live in a, in a society that is so chaotic. Yeah. 
that literally you you I, I was saying the other day um that sometimes something will come out and the lord will say this to me he will say to me don't post yet i haven't given you your opinion mm, yeah don't post yet mm -hmm. you don't have anything to say yet and sadly many people have never let God develop them in such a way. So you spew off, you say anything, you share anything, you go anywhere, you do anything because you don't have any reverence for the king. And I will say what I have said for years. There are many people, even some watching now, you appreciate Jesus as Savior. Yeah, but not as Lord. But not as Lord. Right. You want him to save you rescue and the, you. you want him to rescue you. And the truth of it is, and I'm just going to say this. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right and endeth in destruction. And I watch so many people who get their heart broken. I, let me just use this as an example. If you marry somebody that God told you not to marry, mm -hmm. it can go well for a while. Sure. But it's some stuff you go go through because you married somebody that God told you not to marry. Right. You can't pray enough for God to bless what he never told you to do. You, you can say, I'm going to shack up with so-and-so. And I know this is some good old school teaching. Don't, we don't talk about shacking no more. You can say, I'm going to shack up with Edwin because it's cheaper for us to live together than it is for us to get married. And you are free to do that. But understand this. There are consequences for you choosing not to obey the king. Yeah. Now, the challenge for a lot of believers is because of mercy. We think that sometimes we are getting away with something. And then when we get smacked in the face, not by God, not by God, by the consequences of our disobedience, we're like, God, why did you let this happen to me? He's like, no, you let this happen to you because I told you don't be over there messing with John to begin with. Well, it's the same equivalent. I know it's an extreme example, but if you went outside to your car and you loosened the lug nuts on your car, not take them off, but just loosen them. And then you rode in your car. You might the tires might not fall off immediately. Come on, but over time, over as you time. keep doing that over and over and over, they're going to get more and more loose. And then you're going to be going down the interstate at eighty miles an hour, and at the at the most inopportune time, your wheels are going to fall off. What we're saying is, don't live your life with loose lug nuts. <laughs> Tighten those things up. Make sure that you are hearing God and obeying God on the little things. Because it's the Bible says that what it's the small foxes that destroy the vines, right? So you got to be careful to make sure that you're not disobeying God in what you consider these small areas. You're doing this one little thing, you know. Well, I got to hear you about this, but I'm gonna be my own Lord over this situation. And those situations that you become Lord over are the ones that end up taking you out. Oh, that's really good. I'm so glad that you're back. So I want to say this, and then we're gonna get into the step, the seven things we're gonna tell y'all to do. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I had never thought about this before. We are very familiar with saving faith. Mm. We're very familiar with saving faith. Jesus saved me. I think the faith that we need to teach more about is forsaking faith. Mm. What is forsaking faith? Forsaking faith is in, in, in Hebrews 11 and 27. It says by faith, Moses forsook Egypt. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that means Moses is living this good life. He has everything going for him. But by faith, he forsook it to do what God mm -hmm. told him to do. Mm -hmm. In the kingdom, we are so familiar with saving faith, mm -hmm. right? But we are not familiar with forsaking faith. 
Forsaking faith is when I walk away from John because God said he ain't it. Mm -hmm. Well, because I see you laugh. No, no, it's good. It's a, we need some forsaken faith. We need some forsaken faith. Mm -hmm. There are some things that we should forsake because we love him. Mm -hmm. And we should forsake him even though your flesh still wants it. Mm -hmm. And we should forsake him even though it seems familiar. And we should forsake him even though it's comfortable and even though it's popular. But I love God so much. Mm -hmm. I love God so much that I don't want to sit in this place God doesn't want yep. me in. And I hope that what is being stared in us today is not just we appreciate God in the context of church and then we go live however we want to live, move to whatever city we want to move to, shack up with whoever we want to shack up, cuss when we want to, do whatever we want to do and expect God to understand that really what is beginning to happen to us is the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to us and he is bringing conviction to us for the purpose of us aligning because I keep saying this all the time. God is not interested in making you a better you. Yeah. He is not. In, he is interested in Christ being conformed. Now, before we do these seven things, I'm gonna tell on myself because this is what transparency. Is. And, and before Go you're ahead. telling yourself, let me just add to that. I think okay. one of the things when we talk about forsaking faith, you never develop forsaking faith until you understand one fundamental fact. Come on, God is not a hard taskmaster. God is not a hard taskmaster. If master. you don't get the, if you don't. If you don't, I'm going to say my word, ingratiate yourself, ingratiate yourself into the idea that God is not a hard taskmaster, you will never be able to achieve forsaking faith. Because when he asks you to forsake something, you will see him as rude. You will see him as hard. You will see him as mean. You will see him as demanding. And if you see him that way, you will not respond in the most obvious way, which is that if God is telling me to forsake something, it's because he knows it's not good for me. But you have to get to the point where you say over and over and over, God is not a hard taskmaster. Yeah, let, uh, let me... I, I don't know if men can really speak to this, but I, I get, I bet you 85% of the women on here can speak to this. Have you ever wanted a man and the Lord said no? And so you used your will and your feminine wiles to get him. And then he broke your heart and maybe messed up your credit too. Mm. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? That happened because you didn't have forsaking faith. Now, you mad at John. I don't know who John is, but he's the example today. You're mad at John, except John never could have given you a baby, a STD, or bad credit if you had if you had not dated him when God told you not to date him. But you... <laughs> I'm what? sorry. <laughs> what? What? It's the, it's the sad faces <laughs> in the comments for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all go ahead. I'm no. sorry. I think I'm still a little jet lag. You are a little jet lag. <laughs> but no, I'm it's sorry. real talk. It's like, so it's you're the like, sad faces. so you're mad mm. at John and you need to go through forgiveness for John mm -hmm. and you're offended with John. But God told your behind, don't be down there messing with John to begin with. <laughs> That threw me off. You you should have walked away. So now you like, 
Oh, I'm so scarred. Oh, I can't believe God let me go through this. Man, God did so many things. God did literally everything but come in the bedroom and stand over there and say, get out the bed with John. You didn't. And now you're over here offended with John, offended with God, when you should just say, I got that butt whooping because I didn't forsake. I earned that one. No, I, I, earned, earned, I, I bought, bought that I bought one that right one. there. Yeah, I bought that and there one. are many things in your life right now, mm -hmm. you bought them. The Holy Spirit did not want you to have them and, and the devil didn't have access except through your disobedience. Amen. And I have watched people, you know, we talk about this a lot. Um, you know, I have wrestled with the call of God on my life a lot okay. because there are these things God tells me about situations and I will say to you, I want to be wrong. Mm. How many times have you heard me a say lot. that? I want to be wrong. Somebody will come to me and they will be like, I want to be with this person. I want to move to this city. While they will talk, the Holy Spirit will be like, that ain't it. I will mm -hmm. say, I want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And there have been many times that it has taken 10 years for what I told somebody was going to happen, happened. And at the time, people got mad at me and people got upset with me and said I didn't want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. But God don't bless mess. My goodness. God is not obligated to bless your mess. So now I'm going to tell on myself and we'll do these seven points. Okay. Okay. So this is, a, this is what transparency looks like. For years, I did not curse at all. Did I? I didn't curse at all for years. For years, I did not curse. I didn't curse in the song lyrics. I didn't curse. So when Trump started running for president, um, I was very, very offended. I'm going to use the word that people don't like to talk about. I was very, very offended by the number of believers that I believed should have known better. Mm. And so over time, I began to work in what we would consider the little mm -hmm. curse words. You know, I wasn't going to say the big ones. Right. But I would say the little ones. By the time Trump finished me in president, <laughs> I was a full cusser. Okay? So the Lord start, kept talking to me. Sean, I need you to stop that. I need you to get that out your heart. Why didn't I curse? Because the scripture says, don't let any corrupt communication come, come out of your mouth. And how can I expect God to honor my authority when I will talk any kind of way? All right? I'm just talking about me. So, by the end of Trump, baby, I was a full cusser. Now, I wasn't always a full cusser out loud, but I was definitely a full cusser in my heart. Now, I got enough sense, enough training. And I think that's important for people to distinguish because if it's in your heart, it's in you, regardless of whether it ever comes out. Yes, that, and because that's, that's the key. I because think sometimes we don't deal with is what we don't deal with it till it comes out. We don't deal with it till. So I, I had enough discipline. Mm -hmm. Not to cuss in most situations mm -hmm. out loud. Mm -hmm. Okay? Well, this past Tuesday, I got upset about something. And oh, I cussed and I cussed out loud. And it's as I was cussing out loud, I could hear the Holy Spirit telling me to stop. But I was so upset at that point. Oh, I was full in. I was fully committed. So, I immediately disconnect from the conversation, come back and apologize to the people, say I was out of bounds. And here's the thing. The people love me. They were very gracious. They said they understood. They were saying they understood. The Holy Spirit was saying, I don't understand and I, I don't, don't like it. it. 
I don't like it. So over the next three days, the Holy Spirit would not let me alone about that. Mm -hmm. And this is what he said to me. He said, Sean, the moment you got offended enough that you backed up off of what I told you, the enemy was planning for this moment. He said, because the enemy is always playing with you for the long game. He does not care that you didn't curse at first. He does not care. He was okay. He was just there. It was just a seed. Because he knew at the wrong moment, Mm -hmm. he was going to get you to vomit it out. Mm. And he said, if you are going to live for me, you have to take my instructions seriously. Mm -hmm. Now, this was probably not, I know it wasn't to one of the people. It wasn't (laughs) near as big a deal to them as it was to me. But I also think here's the other thing. Sometimes we think that because other people are cool with it, that God is cool with it. So because, so we have friends that say, oh, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand your frustration. Oh, I understand why you would, I, 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 you, you 40. I understand why you would sex with him a little bit. Oh, I understand why you give in to this desire. You give in to that. And the Holy Spirit is still standing there saying, and my standard has not changed. My has not. And my standard has not changed. And I don't care how many people do. And I don't care how many of people approve it. And he said to me, he said, now you must get cursing out of your heart. Out of your heart. Because if you don't get out of your heart, at some point it will come out. And it's not just cursing. It's whatever is in your heart that is contrary to God's word. If you don't deal with it while it's in your heart, it will eventually expose itself. Why? Because it is the law of nature. It is the law of God that whatever is on the inside Inside of you is expressed on the outside of you in the same way that your eye color does. And I want to say this too. And I felt sorry. And I should have. You should have. And I should have. And that's the other thing. Oh, if you stop feeling sorry that you did something wrong, now that's when the Kojic church, we say you'd have been turned over to a reprobate mind. You ought to do something. If you do something wrong, Holy Spirit check you about it. There ought to be a conviction. And I think what we have done in society on, over the years is we have gotten people to the idea of thinking that they should never feel condemned. But, but you should have a conviction. Condemnation is different than conviction. Condemnation is a sentence of judgment without the opportunity to get better. Come on, teach Conviction. It says, hey, what you did was wrong and you need to make amends. You need to repent, which is to turn direction. Not to necessarily lay in the bed and cry all night, but you need to turn direction. And that's what Holy Spirit was saying. Listen, I'm convicting you because I need you to turn direction. I'm not condemning you, but I am convicting you. And in the body of Christ, we've gotten people to think that they shouldn't feel any conviction anymore because if it feels bad, it can't be of God. No, baby. If you do something wrong that's antithetical to the God's word, you ought to be feeling bad about it. That's how we know we're still alive in Christ and not turned over to a reprobate mind. And the truth of it is, is that because we have we we have pacified. We have surrounded ourselves in environments where no one can correct us. Mm -hmm. Right. And we have pacified ourselves by saying other people do it. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear I want you to hear me. 
if you read in the Bible that God has given a command, if you lie and you don't feel no conviction for lying, mm. you, you don't feel nothing in you. Your heart's been severed. Your heart has been seared mm -hmm. and you need to ask the Lord to save you. Mm -hmm. If you can lay up in bed and fornicate with somebody that is not your spouse, if you can be involved in all types of sexual immorality and you don't feel nothing, I'm going to say what don't nobody else want to say. You better check. Valley says it like this. Valley says, we don't, we don't question whether, whether people are saved. But sometimes we question if you ever got saved. If you ever got saved. If you ever got saved. And let me tell you what I was know. Was there ever a conversion? Was there ever a conversion? Because we have a lot of people and you love church, but you have not encountered Jesus. Mm. And you know how to do church. And you know how to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. But there has not been a Jesus encounter. And you and, and this, if you know, you've laughed at me, me and Chris for years because we always say we pray the prayer of salvation again. Right now, again, we don't think salvation is taken of us. But what I do know is that there are people who have confused going to church with knowing Jesus. You're right. You're right about it. And you sing in the choir and you usher and you do all of these mm -hmm. different stuff things. And then what you do is you don't know him. And, and listen, this ain't Old Testament. Guys, this ain't Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus says, there will be people, you will do works in my name. And I will say, depart from me. Workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Now you can say, this scripture means this, this scripture means that. What I know it means is that it is possible to be in a church environment and Christ ain't in you. Mm. All right, so it's a great opportunity a word about righteousness, a word about correction is a great opportunity for us to say, God, has my heart become seared to you in an area? Is there an area that I won't let you talk to me about, that I won't let you correct me about, and an area where I separate from the people you have called to correct me if they begin to correct mm -hmm. me? Amen. Amen. So we're going to get into these seven benefits. We're just going to go through them. We're going to come back and teach this. Um, and um, we're just going to walk through it because I want us. Um, Kimberly Dennis said, they used to be me. I thought going to church was enough until I had a real encounter. Everett said, I used to live that way years ago. And I love that y'all are willing to yeah. tell that because there are people who we need to begin to pray not that people come to church. We need to pray that people encounter Jesus. Yeah. People need to encounter Jesus because when you encounter Jesus, it changes you in a way. Not necessarily that you're perfect, but like you said, that if you don't have any conviction, then you got to question whether you have relationship. Yeah. Because I don't like it when you're mad at me. Yeah. And I don't like it. I be trying to act hard, but I don't like it when you're mad at me. And I don't like it when you're disappointed in me. Yeah. Right? So if I'm in covenant with you and I don't like it when you're mad at me and I don't like it when you're disappointed in me and I don't like it when I haven't lived up to a standard of our covenant, we should certainly feel that way about God. Amen. 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 All right. So benefits of living a righteous life. Mm -hmm. We'll just get into that. Okay. Number one, the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. Mm. The Bible says for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to the prayers, but the face of them that do the but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Mm. I'm gonna read it again. 
For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So people say, does God not hear the prayer of someone who doesn't live right? You're not praying in his desire. Mm. So he, he, his ears are not open to your prayer because you want prayers that satisfy your own lust. Mm. So, the, so a benefit of living a righteous life, Jesus has made me righteous. Right. And now living a righteous life that matches what Jesus has made me is that the Lord hears my prayer. Amen. Amen. And the second benefit is, and we'll, like I say, we'll come back and we'll delve into these. But the second one is that the Lord delivers the righteous. Yes. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and 39, it says the righteous person. Uh, may have many or, or Psalms 34 19 the righteous person may have many troubles but the Lord delivers him from them all and I think that's really important to understand that when we talk about God making us righteous and then we living out the expression of that righteousness it doesn't mean we won't have troubles we it doesn't mean that we are exempt from it what it does mean is it does mean though is that when those trouble arise we can have confidence to know that god will deliver us from them all and then psalms 37 and 39 says but the salvation of the righteous is, is from, from the lord. lord that word salvation deliverance the deliverance of the righteous when he's in trouble it comes from the lord the lord becomes their strength in a time of trouble. Glory to God. Somebody ought to praise God for that. So he hears the prayers of mm -hmm. the righteous. He delivers the righteous. What's a good biblical example of him delivering the righteous? When Joseph will not sleep with Potiphar's yep. wife. If you go and read that, he actually says something very powerful. He says, I will not dishonor God, God. this way. Yep. His standard to God is so high. He doesn't say he won't dishonor her. He won't dishonor himself. He won't dishonor Potiphar. He says, I will not dishonor God. He gets thrown into a pit. Yep. And then God. That's trouble. That's trouble. That's trouble. He, he gets trouble. He, this woman done lied on him. He in a pit. It looks like all hell is coming against him. And God uses that prison in order to elevate him to the second highest position in the kingdom. The pit became his platform. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Number three. The Lord sustains the righteous. Yes, he does. It says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. What does that look like in the natural? So when in 2 Kings, when he tells the woman, <clears throat> leave, there's about to be a famine. So when you are a person who will listen to the Lord and you live righteously, he will deliver you from trouble, but there is some trouble you will never touch Amen. because he Amen. will sustain you Amen. and move you around the trouble. Amen. That's good. And then, right? the, and then number four, the Lord prospers the righteous. So not only does he hear our prayers, not only does he deliver us in times of trouble, not only will he sustain us during those times, but he will also cause us to prosper. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 21, it says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, watch this, and honor, and honor. Honor is that thing that will elevate you when, when money can't do it. Honor is that thing that will cause you to sit at tables when your, when your connections couldn't have done that. And then it says uh, in Proverbs 13 and 21, adversity pursues sinners. My goodness, it chases them down. Adversity, pursues, when you practice sin, pursues. trouble chases you. Mm. It says, but the righteous 
will be rewarded with prosperity. Now notice that he said literally adversity pursues the sinners. So when you're not doing those things that you know you are being you're being called to do and to live a certain way and do right, it says at, you literally open the door for adversity to come and chase you down. That's and then think about so and think about what we talked about when we talked about living the resurrected life. We said if having an indifferent mindset has caused you to live a life of labor and inconsistency and hard times. And hardship. And hardship. I, so, I so, so, hardship. So, so don't do that, right? So the Lord prospers the righteous. That's one of the benefits of living the righteous life. Number five, the Lord favors the righteous. Favor. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Mm -hmm. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No, no good thing. Does he withhold from those who walk blameless? No Psalms 84 and 11. Now, I think people ought to take this scripture and they ought to meditate on this one this mm. week. Because you said to us earlier, God is not a hard taskmaster. Task so master. this right here, this scripture right here helps anchor me. When God says no, it's not my good thing. It's not my good thing. When, put that because in the comments. Because he withhold. Because he will withhold no, good, no thing. good thing. So when God says no, it's not my good thing. Mm -hmm. When God said, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, when God says no, it's not my good thing. It's not my good thing. I like that. When you say no, That's it's good. not my good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make you remember that. <laughs> no, when you say no, <laughs> okay. when, when you say okay. no, it's okay. you've never said no to me That's true. for something That's that was true. good That's for true. me. That's true. So if you say no, we can't do this right now, or no, I need you to wait, it is because it's not the good thing for us right now. Mm -hmm. Here's a great example. I wanted to take a vacation mm -hmm. earlier than you did. Mm -hmm. And what you said to me is that if you'll wait, you'll get more days mm -hmm. out of it. Mm -hmm. Man, listen, when God says no, it's not our good thing. So also I have to believe, I have to believe that when you say it's no, my it's not my good thing. So if you're called to this ministry, you have to believe if we say no, right. it's not your good thing. Because our heart is not to hurt you. Right. Our heart is to represent God for you. That's true. That's true. Right. I really do believe that. Yeah. Okay. Number six. Number six. You got six. Not only will the Lord favor the righteous, as we said number five, but number six, the Lord will exalt the righteous. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 34, righteousness exalts an entire nation, but sin, but sin condemns any people. Amen. Righteousness exalts a nation. And, 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 and I, I'll be honest with you. You know, when you start to think about a collective group of people, coming together, doing it God's way, it's amazing. In fact, we see a story in the Bible that says that there was a group of people who got together collectively and they were going to do something. They said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a tower that's going to reach all the way to heaven. And if you read the scripture carefully, what it says is when they said it, God saw it already done. Why? Because when a collective group of people come together, there's nothing they can't accomplish. And that's why the Bible says that God had to confound, the, confound their language. He says, because if not, nothing, I love this, would be restrained from them. And so when we come together with God and we partner with God, guess what? Nothing is constrained from us. The Lord exalts the righteous. And I love that scripture right there because it says righteousness exalts a nation. And this is the thing the Lord was really talking to me about this week when he was doing all this pruning and all this different stuff. He was saying to me, 
that part of the reason that we have such a conflict in our nation is not it's not just right and wrong. It's how I believe I have the right to sin toward God and you when I believe you're wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's not just whether this issue is right or this right. issue is wrong. It is that when I disagree with you, I have the, I believe. I feel like if I disagree with you, I can now dishonor you. I can and dishonor you. I can dis yes. dehumanize yes. you. So even people who are standing seemingly on the right side of the letter of mm -hmm. the law are not operating in the spirit of the law. And I think many of us can say we need to repent for this. We need to repent for when we see things not going the way we want them to go, what comes out of our mouth? When we see people on the other side of the aisle, no matter what aisle you're on, how do we feel it's okay to talk about them, to say about them? Because we need to understand that when we do that, that is not righteous, mm -hmm. even if I am right. Now, everybody probably heard their mama say it like this. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. Mm -hmm. It was your heart mm -hmm. in how you said it mm -hmm. that now because you're upset, you get to cast off restraint because you're upset. Yep. Number seven. Number seven. The Lord grants the fullness of his kingdom to the righteous. The fullness of his kingdom. The Lord grants the fullness of his kingdom to the righteous. Mm -hmm. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given unto you. Mm -hmm. Listen. But so what you got to do first? Seek ye first. Seek the kingdom. The kingdom. It's got to be God's way. I have to care about God's yeah. way. How many of you felt some conviction today and you heard Holy Spirit speak to you and say, you know what? Here are some things you have been doing in your life and it needs to stop. Mm -hmm. Here are some ways, not because I'm trying to take something from you, but because literally there are those of you who you keep ending up in the same financial situation. Year after year, you're in the same financial situation because you won't do it God's way. No, you won't do it year God's after way. year, you're in the same relational situation. You know, and, and we could both testify about this, that when God was changing our marriage, right, that one of the things he said to us was stop focusing on the other person. That's facts. Stop focusing on the other person. There are people that are literally, God has told you that he will restore your marriage, but you won't do what God told you to do because they won't do what God told them to do, right? As though God didn't have the ability to change their heart if you'll do what you're supposed to do. There are many of you out here that you're not being dis you're not being honorable on your jobs. You are dishonorable on your job. You're dishonorable in the way that you work. You're dishonorable in the things that you say. You have a lot of venom in your mouth at your job. Mm. And there are some people, I, I know this to be a fact. There are some times we are not released from a bad place until we learn the lesson. Mm. Sometimes we want to go and we feel, we really do feel like as believers, the moment we don't want it, it should be out. Mm. But there are places that God sets us to grow us up. And if we would grow up, we would be released from the place. Amen. So when I keep encountering a season in my life, I have to ask God, what am I not doing that keeps allowing me to run into this? Yep. All right. That's our teaching for today. Amen. We hope y'all were blessed by that. Listen, if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you've given your life to church, but not to Jesus. This is your opportunity to do that. Um, and, and so we just want to invite you to give your life to Jesus because he is not a hard taskmaster and he is for you. There are some of you, and I know this for a fact, you need to come home. You need to come home. 
You are living in a backslidden state. You are engaged in things that God has told you to let go of. You are in relationships God told you to let go of. You have behaviors that God told you to let go of. You got of. some feelings God done told you God, to let go of. You have of. some feelings that God told you to let go of, and it's your day to come home. Amen. And we just want to welcome you home. And if you feel like Fellowship of Champions is your church home, we want to encourage you to become a virtual partner with us. You can go to the website and go to www.focchurch.com and become a virtual partner. This is an amazing church. And we believe in the goodness of God. Amen. And we also believe that the goodness of God will correct you and instruct you and cause you to be fully who God called Amen. you to be. Amen. Right? Now, it's your opportunity to give. Amen. Amen. We have 100% tithers we in do. this church. We do. We have people who it's our great delight to give and to obey God. We take great. Do I have any people that you take great pleasure in being I a giver? Great I take great pleasure in being a giver. It, giver. it is a joy to me. And I don't let an economy dictate to me about what I'm giving to God. What I'm giving to God, right? Somebody said, my heart is seared in the area of a church leadership. You need to get before the Lord and you need to follow God's instruction about where to sit in mm -hmm. church leadership. You, mm -hmm. you don't heal from church leadership away from church leadership. You heal from church leadership sitting under the right leaders that are going to bring healing to you. Amen. Right. Amen. I want to give you all this testimony as you're getting ready to give. We have lots of way to give. Give if I push pay tidily. Text to give. Pastor Edwin, you haven't even heard this testimony. I got a testimony yesterday morning about a young lady um, who had really just kind of backslid and walked away from the Lord. And she was involved in a relationship that she was not supposed to be in. She was not married. Um, she was engaged with this man and she had gotten an STD. Mm. And um, she had tested positive for the STD. And the Lord told her, if you will come back to my way and do things my way, I will heal you of this. Amen. Right? Yesterday morning, she sent me the test results. So not just she doesn't have a breakout. She doesn't have symptoms. She sent me the test result where the test results said negative for the test that had tested positive, mm, right? And it's a sexually transmitted disease that there is supposed to be no cure from. Mm. And she said that the Lord told her, he took her to the scripture of the woman with adultery. Mm. And he told her, go and sin no more. Guys, sometimes things come back on us the second time because we forgot the part where he said, I'm going to heal you from this. But don't take your behind back over she there. She better be like, clack, clack, and lock that thing down. Ain't no way in the world I go back. The Lord doesn't heal me like that. Uh-uh. <laughs> Ain't no way. Something wrong with you. Say clack, clack again. Yeah, clack, clack. You better lock it up. No, really. <laughs> she got a supernatural testimony where God healed something that can't be healed. Right. And I said to her, I said, I'm like the Apostle Paul. Baby, please don't go back. Don't go back. Baby, don't go back. Do not go back. <laughs> and and I want us to stop and think about the times that God has healed us financially. And we went back to stuff. He's healed us financially. Mm -hmm. He's healed us in a thing, but we went back. Whatever God, and this is so important, whatever God tells you to leave, it ain't never going to be okay to come never. back to. It ain't never going to be never. okay to come back to. Never. Put it in the comments to everybody who needs to hear it. Don't go back. Don't go, Don't back. go back to that man, that woman, that it's sex. It's like the Bible says it's like a dog who returns, returns to, to the vomit. vomit. It's like, leave that alone. 
Leave that alone. Mm -hmm. So it's your opportunity to give. But some of you may want to call your seed today. This is my don't go back seed. <laughs> I'm just not going back. I'm not going back, right? And so listen, tomorrow I'm going to be doing strategies for success at noon. And then on Tuesday, we have prayer, best time of the week at 8 p.m. Central. We encourage you to join us for prayer. Something supernatural happens when we pray. On Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have our small group ministry for our teens called at night at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Get them, get your kids plugged in. Victory Zone on Demand, that is for your babies. Get your babies plugged in. You can go to www.focchurch.com for more information. Then on Friday morning, baby, that's when all the champions gather. Don't forget about, re about oh, Refresh Bible, Bible Study. I don't skip the Bible Study. Yep. Refresh Bible Study on Friday. Pastor Ralph mm -hmm. and his wife, mm -hmm. they are on vacation. But Pastor Edward. Yeah, I'm here for you. We'll be teaching on Wednesday night. You don't Tell everybody. It. You don't want to miss it. Edward will be teaching for Refresh Bible Study at 8 p.m. Central on Wednesday. And then on Friday morning at 6.30 a.m., it is Champion Circle where we gather together. And then on Sunday at 9.30, it's Pastor Chris in Elder Valley. Nine o'clock. What am I saying? I have no idea. But on Sunday morning, <laughs> it's at 9 o'clock. It has been. It will be for a long time. You know what it is, though, right? You're just all excited because I'm back. Because you got me caught up in the game, straight tripping boot. Listen, I don't even know it how I made Sunday it through this at 9. And then at 9.30, <laughs> we'll be back here. I just want to say this. I want to say this. You stumbled over a lot of stuff today. And I ain't even bust you out. But every time, but every time <laughs> you are busting me out every time. You I just had to work to, on that. I had to get the times right. I didn't want people to come at the wrong time. They not gonna come at the wrong time. Okay. They know this these times. Gotcha. But that's okay. <laughs> you see, y'all see how I do, but I'm still glad he's back. All I'm right. still glad he's back. All right. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, <laughs> Dimitri, you shady. This is how your friends do you. <laughs> no, he do want the people to know that he that I missed him. Everybody knows I missed him. I missed you too. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I can't, guys. All right. We love y'all. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you at Strategies for Success. We'll see you at all the activities this week. Bring somebody. Live for the Lord because it does matter how you live. It does matter how you live. We'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.